So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So are these your notes? These... <laughs> these are your notes about what we're going to say. What does I it say? it would be a good... <laughs> I didn't even get to idea. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I can just ask you the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going well. It's going really well. <laughs> And welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Emma. And I'm Jamie. And today we're joined by Susanna Kleeman, author of upcoming psychological thriller Twice. Hi, welcome Susanna. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes, it's great to have you on the show. So I guess let's start off with your soon to be released book. Um, so it's out on the 25th of June. That's right. Um, can you give us and the listeners uh, a little bit of a, a blurb for it, like a background? Sure. Um, so twice, let's say it's a speculative psychological thriller, let's say. And um, it's the story of Nim. And she's on the run with someone who might be her ex-love and might be his double. And um, I guess I hate when that happens. (laughs) It's about doubles, lost loves. It's about the secret history of the world, and it's also kind of about what we've lost now that we've handed over our senses and souls to digital tech. Ah, so big tech, espionage, sabotage, yeah, all all that great stuff. stuff. All sorts of stuff. Yes, exactly. (laughs) What was the inspiration? For this, so there's a variety of inspirations. One is I studied history, and I always was interested in history. Um, but the, the history never, for me, history just doesn't fully make sense. Mm. Um, the past is much more mysterious than we're taught, and the further back you go into the past, the more mysterious things are. Um, and I'm talking here about things like ancient Greek computers. They exist. They were just in the news this week. Don't know if you saw them. It's called the Anti-Hyperion oh, Mechanism. No, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Highly recommended. So that's um, 2,000 years old. It's made of bronze. It's an ancient Greek computer. It's got lots of gears. It's a model of the solar system. So stuff like that, I I was always very interested by. And that's one hand. On the other hand, I was always very interested by the present, which doesn't seem to make much sense either. Um, (laughs) And it seems a bit like history. Sometimes there's only a certain, there's a kind of walled garden that we're allowed to be interested in. And there's a whole lot of other stuff also. Um, And then the third strand I would say is um, like um, everybody else, I'm also interested in people and sometimes they don't make sense either. So (laughs) somehow (laughs) in this stew of stuff, uh, that's kind of where my book comes from. Wow. Amazing. Well, that's very relatable in many ways. Well, The the history stuff immediately to me is I'm thinking, yeah, history is so murky because as they say, history is written by the winners. So you're never really going to get that perfect account. And I guess when you talk about modern day things, it's more like the news we receive is very curated by specific Mm -hmm. people. Yes, exactly. And at the edges of things, there are all sorts of unexplained things, which also there's big taboos on discussing. If you start talking too much about what lies at the edges of our culture, then you're lining yourself up with some interesting people on the internet. And that's quite easy to discard and laugh off, but it is very interesting. I'll tell you something else that, that is the, in the background to my book is I spent a lot of time in Wales. Um, my husband's family live in Wales, and I don't know how much time you spent in Wales, but that's a very interesting place. And it's got a lot of very ancient, very overgrown history. And a lot of it is to do with mining and castles. And after a while, what I came to realize about Wales, and in fact, it's true of 
all of West Britain, and a lot of my book is a kind of secret history of Britain, is it's um, got incredibly valuable mineral resources in it. Uh, and I studied, as I said, university, I studied history, I studied medieval history, I studied older than medieval history, but at no point ever was the incredible mineral wealth of West Britain ever discussed. And once I understood that from going to Roman gold mines, for example, that are in Wales, I was just like, okay, now I understand why everyone's invading Wales all the time. So for example, <laughs> I, I, I'd studied the Normans. The Normans come to Britain, they secure the southeast, and then they rush up to Wales and to the west coast of Britain, as the Romans did. And it's like, why would they go there? And it's like, well, maybe they would go there for the vast amount of mineral resources, gold, iron, copper, mm -hmm. everything that you can name is there. And and that sort of stuff is just never discussed. And so, yeah, I could ramble on a lot about all of that. <laughs> so it's the causality that fascinates you. And that's what's kind of come into into this more modern well what uh, it is, is i get the sense and i could be entirely wrong and here i'm a novelist i'm not a historian but i get the sense that in the past and possibly in the present there are people who know a lot of stuff and then there's the rest of us um and the people who know a lot of stuff know that west britain is a great place for mining and, and in fact the reason west britain is a great place for mining is because it's the seam of a volcano the whole of west britain is the seam of a volcano that used to be under the Atlantic, and that's it's called stuff. Mm. So, and, and you can see throughout history, you know, in the in in the Lake District, for example, it's a place called the Langdale Axe oh, Factory, beautiful. high up in the Lake District. You know, Stone Age people were making incredible weapons there and exporting them all over Europe. And here we're talking five thousand years ago, earlier than that, because of the volcanic rock there. So, what I'm trying to say is, the sense I got is some people have always known that West Britain's an amazing resource. Some people have always known a lot of stuff. And then there's the rest of us, and our job is to dig, basically. But um, my book is very much set in the present, and it's about uncovering those ideas and sort of understanding that as also talking about how things might be working now. Right. That's brilliant. I think as well, um, I'm interested to know, prior to Twice, was what was your writing experience? Well, I've had a, a very long and varied writing experience. So twice is my <laughs> first published novel, but I have certainly been attempting to write those novels over the years. And I, I should actually say my first writing experience was when I was 11. And oh, wow. um, I won the Royal Court Theatre in London. They have a, an amazing thing called the Young Writers Festival. Oh. Um, and it's a playwriting festival. And so when I was 11, my play was put on at the Royal Court Theatre. And wow. I was... Amazing. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was it was brilliant. And it was also a very strange experience because let's put it this way. I certainly felt great. Well, that's me set up for life now. Other people have to find a career or what to do, but I'm 11 and I'm just going to be a playwright from now on. And it took a little bit of unpicking to, um, let's put it that way, to learn that that wasn't necessarily going to be how it was. Anyway, mm -hmm. jump forward. <laughs> uh, I left university. I wanted to write novels. I love books. I always I read so much, spent all my time reading. I'd mm -hmm. moved away from the playwriting sphere. I just wanted to write novels. And so I wrote some novels and those were, I must've written four novels before twice, but they were wow. to a lesser or greater extent, those were quite autobiographical novels and to okay. a greater and later extent, lesser extent, they weren't particularly good. So <laughs> <laughs> I wrote those novels and I think that was fantastic that I did. And I sort of think, as I'm sure you've heard and I'm, perhaps you've experienced yourself, you've got to write those novels and then you've got yeah. to put them away. But then I wrote I very consciously then thought, I don't want to write autobiographical novels. I've got all that stuff out of me. And what I want to do is to learn how to write the books that I love, which are generally books like, um, 
you know, um, Umberto Eco. Or I, I love I love books that are, let's put them this way, literary thrillers, but they have lots of plot in them or the secret history or something like that. I thought I want sure. to learn how to write plot, to write books that have lots of plot in because that's what I love. That was a difficult process, but I I, I, I did that work. And then I wrote twice. And I thought, yeah, okay, great. I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased this is a different sort of thing. Amazing. So this was actually your first proper attempt at, um, well, not that, I don't know how much fiction or, or, or real realism there was in your previous books, but this is your first full fiction. Yeah. My other books were gussied up nonfiction, pretending <laughs> okay. to be. Names were changed, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the first ones I wrote were very much purely that. And then the next ones were kind of that with a few other sort of half-hearted bits of plot in there. But basically mm-hmm. I didn't know how to write plot except the plot that had happened to me. And, yeah. and what happens to you it's fascinating to you, but it's just not that much fascinating to other people unless you can you can magic it up, which which for me means actually making a plot that's not just oh this happened and then this happened. Yeah, sure. And it's been a long journey for you, <laughs> which you have very generously documented on your blog, My Rejections. I, I, it's been certainly very generous of me to to document. <laughs> it's very easy for everyone to talk about their successes you know it's it's a bit harder to tell everyone that it is a hard ride and I had a hard time doing it but that's what we're trying to do with this podcast is kind of say you know there's a lot of people submitting books there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people trying to get published and we're all kind of you know we've all either been in it or are in a similar sort of boat in that way so i think it's great i really i've read all through yeah. the my rejections <laughs> blog it's really um, what what made you decide to just start documenting that and putting it all up well the first thing i should say is you know whenever what i've discovered also about writing is every time you feel like oh god it would be so great to write about that but i just can't that's when you yeah. know that you've got something juicy there that other people would want you know um and i what happened to me is that I so I'd done all the work. I'd written my my autobiographical novels. I'd put them in drawer. I'd spent a long time writing this book, and I really believed in it. And and also, I was a fantasist, as I still am. It's kind of job requirement to be a novelist to some degree. <laughs> a fantasist and and very naive. And what I thought was my book's great. And and I'm just gonna for the first time I've sent I'd sent it. I'd done the whole submissions process before. I'd sent to literary agents. I'd got some good responses from literary agents about books in the past. I hadn't got a literary agent, but I felt I'd had you know. Uh, I felt like, okay, I understand why they re- rejected the other ones. I've got some good connections. I'll try with this one. And I was just in a mad way really convinced that that that, that, that literary agents were going to love it. Um, and what can I say? They didn't. <laughs> I got, but then I, what I, I got, you know, I had a whole, well, you've read my rejection, so you know, I got a whole slew of things. I got some nice responses, but I, I, I was really like, why don't they like my book? I like my book an awful lot. I, I, you know, I'd like to read this book. Why don't they like it? And um, I went through a lot in, 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 it was about, you know, it actually wasn't that long. It was, it was about nine months worth of getting, I would say I got about 50, 60 rejections. Mm. Um, oh, well, having said that, as you'll know from having read my rejections, some of those were straight out rejections and some of those were just people not replying to me in various different ways. Um, How rude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How, well, if, well, well I, don't, I don't want to talk, I'm, I'm trying to answer the question, but, uh, you know, if people say on their website, if you don't hear from me, then it's a rejection. That's fine. 
I can take yeah. that. Yeah. But if people say, oh, I'll get back to you within six weeks, you know, and never do, that's 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 not acceptable as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, let me let me not talk too much about that. Um, <laughs> I, so I, I and I just but what I also felt is like I also was coming at the end of this time, I was coming to understand the fatal mistake that I had made. And I was coming to understand how very naive and arrogant I had been. And I felt like there is uh, there is a good story to be told here. And in fact, I started writing it before I got a publisher for my book. Um, and what I'd had to do is I'd had to come to terms with the fact that I had written a strange book. And this was a really key, this is the key insight that I learned and that I hoped to document in, in my rejections. You have to be true to yourself. You have to know what it is that you've written and you have to understand very firmly that what you're entering when you start writing to literary agents is a business arena. Yeah. And that's what it is. And mm. you asked me at the beginning to tell you about my book and what it was. And I said, let's call it a speculative psychological thriller. That's not uh, a genre that trips easily off the tongue. And that's not exactly what my book is either. I had written that fatal thing, which is a book that doesn't sit easily in a genre. Um, yeah. And therefore, literary agents weren't interested in it. And why should they be interested in it? They've worked hard. They've got relationships with editors. They know what those editors want. My book didn't fit into those slots. Mm. And so I'd come to, un to understand that, but I had also come to the understanding that I still like my book. And I, had and I had come to a crossroads where I felt like, you know what, I would do that thing that previously, through whatever outdated, snobbish, silly attitudes I'd had, I would never have considered, which is self-publish. I thought, I will self-publish my book. If no one cares about, no one wants to publish it, I care about it. And I'll, I'll go through the pain. And in doing that, I thought, I want to write about this, these new thoughts that I have had, the journey I've had to be on, the naivety, ignorance, lack of understanding that that I've had. I want to. I, it's hilarious to a certain extent, you know. <laughs> the, I, you know it is funny. What, what I particularly is enjoy the monikers that you give to the agents, <laughs> like the, the gentleman yeah. agent and the grand dame. <laughs> <laughs> And some of those were very lovely people who I had a very lovely interaction with. Most of them were, but I was just, you know, trying to sell them, I don't know, a baguette. And what they wanted was a cream cake. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. That's it. But, but I just felt my own stupidity. And I think, you know, for me, an essence of comedy is someone very serious attempting to, to do something utterly ludicrous. And that is what I want, what I've been set up with. I just thought, I want to write this. And as soon as I did, as soon as I wrote the first episode of it I just felt just felt great just to just to kind of vomit up the truth is always yeah. a good feeling um and then after a while I just couldn't stop writing it then during the course of it I got a, a publisher but I still felt you know I thought great I've got a happy ending to my story that I'm going to do here and then also I don't know if you saw this but the other thing that I did is I self-published my rejections um I it's up on Amazon you, your, your listeners are free to go and purchase it it's there. It, it was important because I had wanted, I had thought I would do that for my book. I just decided I, I, I must do this. I must divest myself of the last bit of silly, snobbish, unmodern thinking that I'd had. I want to find out what it's like to self-publish a book. I want to get to know what, you know, what the silly process is or whatever you do with Amazon and make my own cover, whatever. I'll do it. Gave me a lot of satisfaction to do that.
Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, as you just said, like, you know, rejections is something that almost every writer has to go through and experience mm-hmm. as sort of yeah. journey as, as what we were saying. And I think I know me and Jamie in, in different um, varying things of, of like had our own fair share of, of that as well. And mm-hmm. I think it's a long journey with sort of like really like a lot of ups and downs. Um, but when you family found that like sort of that yes moment, um, do you think it was just because of all of the, I guess the the ups and downs and the, you try it like the the pre-writing and all that that you've done before um you, what like what was that like <laughs> <laughs> um it was good it came into my junk mail folder it came into my junk mail folder so I, and I was someone um perhaps you can relate who'd sat there whenever you know to begin with when I'd sat there um uh, send out something to an agent sit there waiting maybe they'll get back immediately maybe they'll just love it you know yeah I I, I was an inbox watcher which is obviously <laughs> something oh, that you yes. should not be and so it was even more hilarious to me they came into my junk mail I didn't see it for about five hours um I just happened to check my junk mail there it was um to go back slightly i think you have to do it part of being a writer is not just writing your book it is being rejected it is also having to go through the process of truly simplifying what it is that you are writing and expressing it properly to people getting mm-hmm. rejected having to do it again coming to understand it i think that's what marks you from being someone who, who writes perhaps as a hobby experiment to being someone who's putting themselves forward as a professional writer you have to develop a tough skin which i did not have and which i do have a lot more of now. You have to do all that. So the other thing about it is the publisher I'd sent it to, zero. So what I'd come to understand is I must send it direct to publishers because agents are going to be a bit shy to give this to publishers because it's just a bit strange. And I also understood I've got to give it to a certain, I've got to give it to a certain sort of publisher. And the certain sort of publisher I've got to give it to is someone who publishes political and cultural theory as well as novels, because my book is also political and cultural theory. Mm. Um, and I just, I knew as soon as I thought that, I thought, yeah, cause I can write a really easy letter to that person. They'll get it. I won't have to pretend my book is something it isn't. And I think that was also another key insight, which is just who can you write? Who could you talk most easily about the material that you're working on to? That's the person you send it to. It sounds pretty obvious, but there's a lot of pretty obvious stuff that I had to learn. So I was really pleased. And also they have a very quick, they have a very quick, they pride themselves on, you send it to them. They give you an answer in a week, which is amazing. Um, and I just felt, hooray. I thought, this is great. This is exactly the journey I should have been on. This is exactly the right publisher. And what a lot of trial I've been on to to, to understand that's how it is. And here it is in my junk mail folder. Hooray. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, that's brilliant. From that, you've, now, you've got a publishing deal. Your book's coming out. It's very exciting. Do you think now with a published book you would consider reaching out to agents again? Yes, I do. I'm going, I actually, I'm, I'm in the process of writing another book for Zero, which is nonfiction. Um, right. So, so I'm, it was a two-book deal? No, it wasn't a two-book deal, but oh, they okay. just, I'm, they, I've been in, well, I've been in conversation with them and out of our conversations has come that, uh, that I should write another book and I'm really happy to. I think that they're great. Brilliant. I mean, one thing that's interesting about, them for example they've got they do a lot of their business from their youtube channel unlike other publishers they've got a big youtube channel and and part of the promotion for my book has been about making some videos for their youtube channel which Mm. i've been doing and 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 out of that has come discussion about another book what i really want to do though is write novels and so yes of course I, i i i i totally understand that 
another book I, I write might not be suitable for them because they are cultural theory, political publisher. And I might want to write something that's not exactly like that. But I would be. But I also think that not everybody has an agent. It's not always essential to have an agent. And part of the yeah. journey that I had to go on is understanding that quite a lot of the reason why I wanted an agent is because I just wanted a pat on the head, you know? Yeah. I, I, of course, agents do a lot more than that. And to have a wonderful agent would be a wonderful thing. But I understood that quite a lot of what I was looking for was affirmation. That And and I also under, I came, came to understand that it was really unhealthy and was actually really holding me back. And that to a very great extent the journey I've been on to get published has been about learning to stand on my own two feet and give myself the affirmation. And I think that's really important with the writing also, because to an extent also, when I began sending it out to agents, it, I knew, oh, it's not, you know, it, yes, it, it wasn't a first draft by any means that I was sending out, but I was like, mm, you know, I've been reading about how agents like to work editorially and I'm so looking forward to chatting with my agent about how we're going to improve this. That's a bad yeah. attitude. And and really, in the end, by the time I sent it out to zero. I had done so much revision on it myself. I had done, I had effectively become my agent, become that that I because nobody else was doing it for me. So, of course, I would like to have a lovely agent, but it's not essential to me. Um, and that is a good feeling, I have to say. Well, that's great. Okay. I think people work in different ways, don't they, as well? And that's what this is all about, to find out what different avenues you have to go down, that it's not just... There's not just one avenue. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots Absolutely. of different ways that you can get the result that you want to get for Absolutely. you. And it's um, yeah. as with anything in life is being honest with yourself, being true to yourself. Who mm. are you? What have you written? Who is interested in that sort of thing? And not trying to think, as I did, oh, well, it might, this is not exactly what they want, but I think it's so good that they'll bend their rules for me. Nobody's bending any rules for anybody, you know, especially mm. not yeah. for debut novelist. And that is, that is the hard lesson I had to learn. Yeah, so true. I mean, going on from that bit of advice, um, do you have any other nuggets of advice for people wanting to go into this industry and, and sort of write either, you know, plays or um, that, that you've got experience in or novels as well? <laughs> I, I think... You know, there's there's a whole lot of all sorts of different advice. And you know, I'm a debut novelist. I'm not I'm by no means some kind of a dwyan <laughs> who's going to be handing out the advice <laughs> left, right, and center. From my own perspective, there's there's different areas. One is writing the thing. Um, and you know, there's a lot of different advice about that. The other thing is getting someone to buy it. And um what I would say is you must read, you must do as we all do, go and read everything you can, Google everything, find out how the industry works. But I would also say, don't necessarily believe everything that is being said. Mm. And also really, really, truly be aware it is a business. The complexity is it, it's about novels. We all love novels, wonderful stories. You know, one can get caught up if you look too much on Twitter. You can you can start thinking, oh, it's just a wonderful, just, just slightly out of reach is this wonderful um culture of people who just sit around talking books and love books so much. That is true, but it is a business and it is about the relationships that people have in that business. And it's about what you've got and and giving it to the person to whom it is the right, you, you know. Yes. So the, the big lesson I would have is take it with a pinch of salt, understand it's a business. Think to yourself, are you writing something that slots easily into that business? And if you're not, understand that it's going to be a harder road and that you might yeah. you might end up self-publishing. And, and I may, you know, you asked me if I would have an agent. Also, I think maybe, you know, perhaps I would self-publish more things in the future. It, it depends. I'm quite excited now about that self-publishing stuff I did. 
No, I okay. Advice. How much? How much did you get into the self-publishing side of things? <laughs> because self-publishing essentially makes you your own kind of whole marketing team, right? Yes. You know, I have not pushed that book very much. It was symbolic to me. Yeah. I, I just symbolically had to do it. But in my day sure. job, um, part part of the the job that I do is I make websites for people. So I have okay. some you know, skills in, in making, in graphic design, it's a completely different skill to, to being, a, a, you know, making your book cover, obviously, although I mm-hmm. researched that too. Um, I didn't, you know, it, it was very useful for me to have to begin to think, well, how would I begin to market if I'm going to do this myself? What would the things be? And in fact, the lessons that I've learned from that, again, I'm no expert and other people do it much better than me and have a lot more knowledge, but that helps me right now with my book where I have the understanding that I will do marketing for my book. My publisher will do it in different ways, but I will do it too. And I will make graphics and I will come to understand who might be interested in my, in, in what I've written. So to answer your question, I didn't get that into it in terms of Facebook ads, that sort of thing, but I certainly read about it and I certainly thought about how I would do it. And what was very useful and what I did get into is, is trying to, is boiling down the marketing taglines for my rejections, what it would be. And then the same discipline of trying to do that for twice my novel has actually been very helpful. Trying to think, okay, if I was a massive marketing team, what would I say about this book? What would be the strap line? That sort of thing is very good because the publisher I have, a cultural, political publisher, quite a small publisher, is not going to be as some other publisher might be, you know, working on the hard sell of my book. I can do that if I want, but that means yeah. me with them working on what those things might be. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, um, it sounds like a very, uh, interesting path to, to have kind of almost experienced both. You, you've experienced traditional through a smaller publisher as well as kind of dipping your toe into self-publishing. So that's right. That's right. Although I, I listened to, I, I'm sorry that I can't remember the name, but very interesting chat you had with another author on the podcast, who's someone who also who has self-published as well as, um, Marissa Noel. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's no, right. And yeah. Yeah. And that's she's a lot more professional than I was about it. She's doing it for her, you know. She's she's doing it as an absolute business. And as I as I said to you, when I self published my rejections, it was more it was a promise to myself. It was something that I wanted to do. It just it it, it was just I you know I think I've possibly sold thirty. Um, I was nice. going to say copies, but they're all digital files on Amazon. But every time I get a notification from Amazon that someone's bought it, it's thrilling. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I yeah of course. And I'm not pushing yeah. it, but, but it, you know, I didn't do it for that reason. Mm. Well, that I'm looking better. forward to seeing what avenue you have for us waiting in the future. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I think that rounds off the interview and brings us on to the final, often dreaded question. <laughs> A great question. A great question. (laughs) If you were marooned on a desert island and could take nothing but a single book, which book would you take? Well, I've thought about this. Mm, I have thought about this. I would take Proust, Remembrance of Things Past, which I have read. I was once a, a teacher for a year in a rural Chinese university, and I spent most of that time reading Proust is fantastic. I would also say Jane Austen, like like many people would, but but Proust. Is like Jane Austen, except you know it's the same qualities for me. It's hilarious and so true about people, but it's also just a bit more rude stuff happens in it. Um, <laughs> and, and We're here for that. <laughs> it's, it's amazing and brilliant. But I was I was tempted also to say what I would bring is Joseph Needham's Civilization, Science and Civilization in China, that oh. momentous eleven-part encyclopedia 
Why Chinese technology? <laughs> that will because last a long time. It is. <laughs> that will last a long time. And by the time I plowed through that, I would be able to build my own spaceship on that. Well, exactly. <laughs> there you go. And I think I'll go for the Proust. It's funnier. Proust, yes. Let, we'll stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Susanna. It's so been much amazing for to have you on. Honestly, it's yeah, been fabulous. And, and thanks to everyone listening. Um, if you want to stay up to date with everything Susanna is up to, you can follow her on Twitter on at Susanna Kleeman. And if you'd like to check out her blog, head over to myrejections.com, which is absolutely brilliant. So I really advise yeah, everyone to go and have a Definitely look. Definitely check it out. If you're, if you're going in through the process as well definitely check it out because you might you might see some so things happening and so cut yourself off at the pass yeah <laughs> and to make sure you don't miss out on an episode of this podcast you can follow us on twitter at right and wrong uk and on instagram at right and wrong podcast you sounded you like you didn't find... know what that was you were like at right on and instagram wrong UK? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know any of these social media <laughs> things but anyway you can find our guest book list and the desert island library list the desert island library list but say that four times faster on uk.bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash right and wrong thank you so much for listening thank you Susanna and we will see you all next time see you next time so you've got an idea for a business the store of your dreams there's just one thing to figure out everything that's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online in person and everywhere else sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling it's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want so when you're ready to bring your idea to life power it up with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com listen 